This is episode 115. We welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kinikini. Well, hello, my friends. How are you? Thank you for joining me today, wherever you may be, driving around, running errands, doing chores. Thank you for being here. Today, we're going to talk about a very serious topic, but also infuse what we do here at Smarter Parenting, which is use these skills from the teaching family model. So I'm super excited to share with you my experience in sharing the teaching family model with a different culture, specifically people in Uganda, Africa. Today, I'm going to share with you how I took Smarter Parenting to Uganda, Africa to work on an aftercare mission for survivors of human trafficking. So I am super excited to jump into that, to talk to you about effective communication and how we started to use that skill with these victims and with the agencies caring for these victims. Now, as a precaution, I do need to state that I have to change the names of the people involved and the agencies because it's dangerous. Human trafficking is very dangerous. And once those things are revealed, they become targets in their respective places. So I've changed the names of the people I worked with and the agencies themselves for their own protection and for their own safety. However, the information that I'm sharing with you are things that have occurred during my work with them. And in fact, I'm still working with them. We still communicate. And it's been a while since I've been there. And yet our communication on these skills and how they're effective with this population is astounding. Let's jump right into this and let's talk about this amazing experience that I was able to have in Africa working with victims of human trafficking. Now, if someone had told me when I was in graduate school that I'd be going to Africa to work with survivors of human trafficking, I wouldn't have believed them. But... In the process of working with families and of using this model, what we use all the skills on smarter parenting, I started to understand that we are helping children and families in collaborating with them. And it led to some things that were surprising, some very unexpected things. Now, the main goal of smarter parenting is to share its message and to strengthen children and families around the world. And so we decided that by using the Internet, we'd be able to reach more people. That has also put us on the radar for different agencies. And an agency called Operation Underground Railroad reached out to us. And they asked if we would be able to provide some training for the aftercare needs in these different countries. Now, their goal is not to go in and overtake what is already existing in the country. There's just to just go and support what already exists. So all the therapy, the therapeutic approaches would be done by the agencies in those areas. My job was to take these skills in helping the children while they were in these safe places so they could open up and expand. Now, if you understand how therapy works and you know how that all comes to be in working with people, it's usually like an hour that you work with somebody and then you let them go for the week and then you come back in a week. Well, the benefit of using smarter parenting is that this was meant for frontline workers, people who saw them day in, day out, a lot like parents and using these skills in order to help these children overcome their difficulty of communication, overcome their feelings of anxiety and their feelings of uncertainty and insecurity. 
So what was planned for us was I would go in and provide this training. The team that I went with, this is the very first aftercare team that went to travel to provide these types of trainings around the world. And I was invited and, of course, to share smarter parenting because, believe it or not, in Africa, they have pretty good internet. You'd be surprised to know, specifically in that region, that they are accessing really good internet through their phones, obviously, but they're able to access the internet. And so we had the website online, smarterparenting.com, where people could access what we needed to do. And they were able to access the skills and watch the videos from wherever they were around the world. So the team that I went with, there was it consisted of about six of us. And uh, we would go in. I was the only person there to provide the training. And I prepared before I left by reviewing the skills that we would be discussing and teaching during this course. And I was given a whole day to provide a training to agencies and to leaders of religions, wherever these children would be rescued to and be placed. I was providing the training to their frontline workers and to the administration who were there protecting these children and helping them on a day-to-day basis. In my preparation, I returned to my training and I went back to the families I had worked with in Utah using these skills. And I knew the skills backwards and forwards and how I was going to implement them. And one of the things that struck me as interesting was I was able to adapt it to the different cultures that I ran into here in Utah. We had a lot of people who moved in from Katrina. After that happened, I worked with families that were affected by Hurricane Katrina, worked with families, refugee families that have also made their way here to Utah with Hispanic families, Pacific Islander families, uh, you know, you name it, regular families here, uh, Utah families that have been here for generations. I worked with all, all kinds of families. And so adapting what I thought I needed to do to adapt the skills to their culture was a a fascinating thing. And yet at the same time, what I realized is the skills themselves never changed. The steps that we would use never changed. What would change, though, is my ability to work with them and communicate with them and to be respectful of where they are. Because culture is is a living, breathing thing and When you work with people with a different point of view and the way that they understand the world, it's important to understand that they are understanding you from their level of perception. They're understanding you through their filters, their understanding. And it's important for me, as somebody who's helping to teach this, to model to them what it is I expect them to do in order to expand their perceptions by effectively showing them, which is why role play is such a big deal by showing them what to do and how to do it. And this way we can expand our perceptions on what we are able to do throughout this whole process. So I prepared a lot. I did. I prepared a lot and I was ready for it. I felt like I was ready for us to go. The day came and we hopped on an airplane and we flew to Africa. And what was interesting about this trip was as soon as we landed and we put our luggage, we didn't unpack, we put our luggage in the rooms where we were staying and we stayed in a safe house. We immediately began traveling and we would go to these different places where these children were being 
housed and helped. And the first place we went was to a home where girls were living. And so we went in and we started working with them. I started talking to them and I started to learn more about them and their culture and the way that they processed information, how they understood things in order to help me understand how I could best teach these skills to them in a respectful way. We met with these girls. We taught them some of the skills, the effective communication, observe them, work with them. We were there to listen to their stories. Very heartbreaking to listen to these stories. Very, very heartbreaking to hear what had happened in in their lives. And uh, we began to help them understand how to best communicate these things with the people around them, specifically the people who were there to help. There is a high level of suspicion on the part of children who have been rescued from human trafficking because they have learned not to trust any adults. And so it took some time, but they were able to warm up and open up and communication started to flow, which was fantastic. Now, we continued on our journey in order to help us move forward in meeting more children and more of these agencies and the people that I would be working with later in the week. And that was an eye-opening experience for me to go into these safe places for these children and to begin working with them. You started to notice certain behaviors that were happening and then effectively communicating with them what it is that needed to occur and also in helping recognize what it is the staff needed to do in order to improve their communication. So we made it back to the place that we were staying and uh, it was late in the evening and I had time to just jot down my thoughts and my impressions on ways that I would better reach them. And what I realized was the approach that I was going to use in teaching these skills, I had to adapt and adjust. And this is not strange. In fact, parents have to do this all the time because when they're working with different children, it's like working with people from different cultures. Children are different. And so we have to adapt and adjust based on their abilities and based on their perceptions and what they can do in the world. So came back home, took some notes, and I slept, and I was getting ready for the next day. So I woke up in the morning on day two, and we began to do the same thing, but with other areas. We drove around. It was very fascinating to be in that environment, very different from anything I had done before. Now, I've lived around the world, so I've been around the block a couple of times, but in this instance, it was a very nerve-wracking experience because of what we were doing there, who we were interacting with, and what it is I needed to do, which was to teach. I spent a lot of time observing and describing what I saw in my notes and observing things that needed to happen. And I met a director of one of these homes. Her name was, I'm going to name her Sheila. And uh, we started to talk back and forth about the work that they were doing and the way things were going and the cultural issues that would pop up in presenting these skills. I taught her the skill of effective communication. I'm going to go over the steps because I think it's important for you to know what they are because I actually use these steps again with Sheila later on in the training during the week. So communication usually happens with just a person sharing their thoughts, another person sharing their thoughts, and just back and forth, back and forth with occasional nods. But really what I was looking for was a deeper, deeper understanding in our communication. 
The steps to effective communication help us reach that point where when we communicate, we are getting deeper into the conversation and the communication. So step number one, look at the person that you're talking to and pay attention to what she or he is saying. Step number two, once the person is finished speaking, use their words to describe what you understood. Step number three, ask the person if what you said was what they meant, and they'll correct you if you're wrong. Step number four, in a calm manner, state your own thoughts. Think about that. There are three steps before you get to step number four where you can respond to what you're hearing. So there's a lot of listening and a lot of understanding that happens beforehand. Step number four, in a calm manner, state your thoughts on the subject. Step number five, they must repeat what they heard, affirm that it's correct, and if not, you can correct them. Okay, so it again, it's part of that understanding. Step number four, step number five. They must repeat what they heard from you and then affirm that it's correct or not. And then if it's not, then you correct them. And then step number six, if you are problem solving during this communication, you come to a solution if possible. And if you can't, then you will use the steps to decision making or you'll go back and you'll repeat the steps of effective communication. So I taught Sheila these steps as we were communicating because It was important for me to really understand the struggles and the difficulties that she was going through. We didn't have a lot of time because the schedule was super packed with different places that we needed to go and people that we needed to visit. However, we were able to communicate quite a bit about what's happening in her home. And then I asked her the question, tell me about your culture. Tell me about what facilitates human trafficking to occur. And what was fascinating during this conversation was by using these steps, we were able to get to a deeper understanding of what was happening and why it was happening with these children and in what ways we could address it and understand the culture behind it. It was a great conversation with Sheila. Great, great conversation. I would later see Sheila during the training at the end of the week that I was providing. She would show up. And during our communication, we still kept to the steps of effective communication. Now, a lot of people think, hey, communication is super easy. I do it all the time. I communicate all the time. But again, I'm talking about deeper, deeper level communication, deeper, deeper level communication. Now, Sheila mentioned to me that she was going to teach this skill to her kids, and she asked if I could write the skills down, and I told her, of course, jump on the website, because you have access to the internet. So, even though I wasn't there, she was able to access all the information, and the website popped up nicely there. And let me tell you something. If you're traveling abroad, and you run into something that you've done in another country, it's kind of amazing. Um, We had worked on Smarter Parenting the website for a while. We had skills that were there, and to be able to access the website from that location was actually pretty amazing to me because I felt like, wow, we really are reaching our mission, which is spreading this around the world. Again, I do have to emphasize that my role wasn't to go in and replace what these agencies were doing, but to provide additional help by teaching these skills. And uh, these skills became an essential part of working with them because, again, these children would come into these locations, into these homes, and they would see their therapist for a short period of time, but it was the frontline staff workers who would 
build the relationships and would communicate with them and would help them on a daily basis in order to provide them with the skills they needed to become more independent and more consistent. In my work with this group, what I found even more amazing was later on as we gathered. So we met different agencies throughout the week. And then when we had our training, all those agencies and their frontline workers came to the training where I had a manual that they could go through and we went through the skills. I taught them how to do it. I actually role played it with them. And again, it, this is all part of people will only understand you from their level of perception and their filters and their understanding, which is why our role as parents and as teachers and as educators is to model this expanded perception. If we can model it, if we can role play it, we can effectively open up the world to not only your children, but to children who have been rescued from human trafficking, right? So we're expanding their understanding, their perception, and their connection with adults in a respectful way. So I'm going to jump ahead because I think it's important to keep this connection with Sheila. But before we do, I'm going to leave you with this message. Hello, listeners. Did you know we rely on donations to keep this podcast going? All donations help us to help you and other parents. You can donate on the Smarter Parenting website and consider signing up for the Silver Tier Coaching. And you get so much in addition to helping us help parents. You can use a credit card, Google Pay, Apple Pay, or PayPal. Every donation helps. Thanks. Well, the day of the training came and I met with Sheila in the classroom. She came up to me immediately and we started talking about how things were going and what was happening. We talked about effective communication, how she was implementing it. And uh, and in speaking with Sheila, during the training, we actually went through the steps of effective communication for the benefit of everyone who was involved. And the steps were very helpful. I asked Sheila to come up so we could demonstrate how we use this skill together. What I found amazing is that she was able to adapt and adopt it fairly quickly. And in communicating with her and talking with her, using the steps was another level of respect within their community. Sheila began to give a testimonial at that time during the meeting, and she was talking about the culture. And I think it's fascinating that she brought in the culture and talking about effective communication and how it's such a respectful way to communicate with these children even within the, the, the culture that they existed in, in Uganda, Africa. Fascinating. And then she began to share her own experience in communicating with some of the girls that she was working with. So I talked to Sheila during the break, because we had a few breaks in between the training, and in talking to her and in still using the skills of effective communication, we were able to determine in what ways we could better understand these victims, in what way we could reach them at a deeper, deeper level on a day-to-day basis so we can begin to build trust and understanding. Now, a lot of parents are probably listening to this wondering, okay, how does this connect with parenting? How does this connect with what I'm doing? Well, it absolutely connects because if you are able to communicate effectively with your child, you are going to be able to build those bonds of respect and community within your family. The children who struggle in human trafficking are children that have been removed far, far away from trust. And to bring them into a place where they feel safe, where they feel understood and loved, 
is a very difficult road. It's a very difficult road. It takes time, takes effort, takes consistency. And yet at the same time, for parents who are working with children who struggle with ADHD, who struggle with ODD, oppositional defiant disorder, or any other type of struggle, it's important for you to understand that it does take the exact same things. It takes communication. It takes consistency. It takes time. It takes effort. These things just don't pop up out of nowhere. We have to instill them. We have to demonstrate them. We have to show them. And we have to role play it. Now, I role played this again later on during the training with Sheila. And Sheila took on the role of a child who was really struggling to communicate their emotions. And so we started to work with the effective communication in using words. And we introduced also this idea of her being able to write down the words. If you have a child that is struggling in communicating with their words, have them write things down and then come to you and then communicate with them. That was an effective way that she found worked with one of her kids in the home that she was working in. And we used it. We used it. So the child could keep a journal, write down their thoughts. And then when communicating with an adult using words, would bring the journal in and share what was already written on the piece of paper. It was one element removed from the communication face to face. However, with a child who's dealing with high trauma, that may be an effective way to get them to open up and to talk and to communicate. With Sheila, we went over the steps again, look at the child or look at the, the person who's talking and pay attention to what they're saying. Once your child is finished speaking, use their words to describe what you understood. That second step seemed to be the one that a lot of adults struggled with because they just wanted to tell the child what to do. They wanted to tell the child what they needed to feel and everything. They wanted to take control. And the issue with that, especially in dealing with children who suffer from human trafficking, is they've had no control. Control had been taken away from them and other people controlled everything about them. And so this was one way to give them that freedom and autonomy to breathe, to feel understood, to feel connected. And this is what Sheila was sharing with the larger group. In step number three, you want to ask if what they said is important. Now, within their culture, what children say is not as important as what an adult says. And so we wanted to break that by practicing that. And we wanted them to understand, hey, let's give them a voice and give them an opportunity to share what it is that they feel and that they want. And then again, step number four, that's where you in a calm manner, state your own thoughts on the subject. So we role-played this. One, two, three, four, state your thoughts. Step number five, have them repeat back what they understood from the communication and correct them if they're wrong. And then step number six, if you're trying to solve a problem, come up with a solution if possible. So we role-played this. We practiced it. We did it with various situations where children struggled to talk, especially the new ones that struggled to communicate with this new environment and these new people who were going to care for them as they had been rescued from human trafficking. So it was an amazing experience. In fact, it's so amazing. I want to continue talking about this aftercare mission that I went on in helping these survivors for the next podcast to come up. So next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about that effective communication and delve a little bit deeper. 
You may be wondering what happened with Sheila. Sheila's still working. She's still there. We still communicate through WhatsApp. So it's better than email. We always exchange Christmas greetings, which made me think of her during the last couple of weeks, and check-ins just to see how things are going. And for me, Sheila said that communication, effective communication, has been one of the things that has changed the home for the better for everybody. In fact, everyone on our staff learns the skill, they implement the skill, and they keep it as a consistent way for everyone to communicate with each other. So if she has a new person coming in, they learn the skill and that's the way they communicate. And it provides this consistency in the environment, in the home, to really help children feel comfortable and open about their communication. For you parents who are implementing effective communication, follow the steps. It is very important that you follow the steps regardless of the age of your children. It teaches your children to listen. It teaches your children that you are there to understand and you are there to support and help and that you can communicate about things in an appropriate way. It provides a structure for all of this to happen that's safe. And when problem issues arise, when they feel distant, you can always fall back on what they know. If they know these steps, regardless of how difficult the conversation is going to be, they're going to be able to recall these steps and rely on this as a way to communicate with you. So that's it for me. Tune in next week because we're going to delve a little bit deeper on this and then we will continue on in the new year with new ADHD content and new content related to the skills that we teach here on Smarter Parenting. Thank you for joining me. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Have a great one and I will talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.